The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome into another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. If you haven't joined us before on the Best of the Week podcast, I'm Steven Serta. I am the host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. And we like to finish every week up with the best of the week from some of our favorite shows all throughout the week on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We understand you've got a busy life, you got kids, you got obligations, you got work. You can't always listen to each and everything that we do throughout the week. So we do these episodes to help you stay caught up on everything you need to know about the Kansas City Chiefs as we are headed into preseason week one. Kansas City Chiefs take on the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday night. So there's a lot to cover on this week's best of. We're going to start things off as we do each and every week with the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show with Pete Sweeney and John Dixon as they broke down the first unofficial depth chart of the Kansas City Chiefs season. And then around the 23-minute mark, you can hear Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner on Out of Structure. I'm sure you're familiar with their weekly Chiefs mailbag. They took a ton of your questions ahead of the Chiefs' first preseason game against San Francisco. And then we'll finish things up with Show and BK around the 50-minute mark as they preview some of their favorite guys to keep an eye on in the Chiefs' first preseason action on Saturday. Let's get things going with Pete Sweeney and John Dixon on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, the Kansas City Chiefs, as we've been saying all show long, have released their first unofficial depth chart of the season as of August 8th. How does this work in their game release? So there's a game on Saturday night, 7.30 p.m., Chiefs 49ers preseason game. Ahead of the game, in the game release, they released this depth chart. And let's be clear here. This is not an official depth chart. It says on it, unofficial. (laughs) We don't know exactly how it's made. We know the team has to approve it in some sort of way, but Andy Reid is not sitting down there. This is what I want to explain. Andy Reid is not sitting down there revealing his official depth chart. Now, I, I know that there is some kind of approval process with the team, but let's just keep that in mind as we go through this. I still think... There are some things to take away. So let's start with the offensive line here, and we'll go through one to five, left to right. Your first team offensive line, Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Lucas Niang. Backing them up, Mike Remmers, Nick Allegretti, Austin Blythe, Laurent DuVernay-Tardif, Andrew Wiley. 
Now here is the backups to the backups. Prince Tego Inogo, Brian Witzman, Daryl Williams, Yesir Durant, Wyatt Miller, and then all by himself in the fourth <laughs> column is injured Kyle Long. I think what is telling here is really just the right tackle position. As we've been saying, it, it is interesting, even though Mike Remmers has been injured, he started camp as the right tackle. He was getting all the first team snaps, and now it's Lucas Niang over Remmers. That, to me, is the only thing that really jumps out. Anything else jump out to you, John? Well, and that Remmers is the backup to left tackle now, yeah. which, given his performance in the Super Bowl, uh, which many people would never like to see again, that kind of surprises me. But again, it's unofficial. Um, you know, I could see Andrew Wiley being a swing tackle for either side. Um, yeah, I, I found Andrew Wiley has been playing second team right tackle yeah. at camp. He noted how important that was for for him to get those reps because he feels comfortable mm-hmm. at guard. He's, he's going to be this utility, super utility man for the Chiefs if they do wind up keeping him. The reason he is not uh, in the left tackle position is because he's just playing there at camp. And I think they wanted to put Mike Remmers in the second column. And that's the only spot that really is open in a sense, mm-hmm. because all these other guys are playing those positions at camp. Nick Allegretti, by the way, has been taking snaps at camp. If that's something that interests you, I guess it's worth noting here. But to me, that was the only thing that that jumped out. Let's go to the tight end. Travis Kelsey, the Blake Bell, and then Noah Gray, and then Jody Fortson is over Evan Bayless. That's exactly what we've seen at camp. I don't think Noah Gray is going to start the year as the tight end, too. He's been a little bit better at blocking than I, I thought he would be. And so I wonder how soon that takes. Blake Bell might be the, the best blocking tight end on the team. Travis Kelsey's not a bad blocker, but I think Bell is your blocking tight end. Yeah, that's probably right. I mean, Noah Gray had some some star power for the first few days of training camp, but we haven't heard his name as much uh, since. He just hasn't been as loud making Mm -hmm. plays. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if maybe he's been a little bit banged up because he looked very explosive at the beginning of training camp and a little bit less so. And rookies are always going to try to push through. So who knows? Uh, we don't really know what's going on. There. And, There's been and no I'll injury re- listed for, I'm just letting you know that, but it, he yeah. has been much quieter as camp has gone on. And and I'll return to the point we were discussing last week, uh, the possibility that the chiefs could keep four. Uh, I, I sure. agreed with you then that they're, they're more likely to keep three because they've got other places where they need to have extra players. But uh, you know, then again, they've invested a lot in Jody Fortson, and he seems to be doing really well. So we'll see how this plays. Fortson out. looks fantastic, and yeah. he has looked fantastic in pads. Dave Tobe released a major nugget that he gained mm-hmm. twenty pounds of muscle in his conversion to tight end. That to me makes it a little bit different than seeing this, which we've seen before, and then he's been cut. Sure. So I'm coming around to the idea that the Chiefs keep four tight ends, but. And again, that's that's going to mess with your guy, Darren Thompson, because you got to make room for him right. in some or or an offensive lineman, you know, right. it could or, be nine offensive yeah, linemen. Yeah, right, right. That is another school of thought in the Kyle Long thing, because if you do think you're getting Kyle Long back and you throw him on the PUP list, then maybe if you're trying to keep 10 offensive linemen, you can keep nine at least to start. And then you have your 10th one waiting in the wings. And I, I do believe that they are going to keep Yazir Durant and Daryl Williams on the practice squad. So you, you're going to end up having a good amount of depth at those positions. All right. Yeah. And I think Winogo is a, a wild card in this too, because yes. they have always said that they've liked him a lot. Yes. And they may want to figure out some way to hang on to him too. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables to juggle there. 
All right, let's move on to wide receiver. On one side, so the one wide receiver position, they have Tyreek Hill, Byron Pringle behind him, Antonio Callaway behind him, then Garrick Dieter, then Maurice French, then Chad Williams. On the other side, so this is wide receiver number two, McCole Hardman. Mm-hmm. I think that I think it, that really says something. Then Demarcus Robinson, Marcus Kemp, Darius Fountain, Cornell Powell is buried here. Darius yeah. Shepard and Dalton Schoen. Cornell Powell on the wide receiver two is the f- fifth receiver in the mix. And watching him at camp, he is getting third team reps and not really able to separate from what is the third team defense. And he was asked, the uh, enemy was asked about Powell at today's press conference. And Bianami said he's a rookie who has a good soul. That's as negative as Eric Bianami is going to get yeah. about a player. So I, I'm not saying that Cornell Powell, a draft pick from this year's draft is going to get cut, but would it stun me? It would not at this point, but we are in August 10th, August 9th, August 10th. We're recording August 9th, but this could be released on August 10th. So there's still room. There's still preseason games. But he has not looked good. He has not. He has been the one draft pick that has has really looked like he doesn't belong. And while Andy Reid didn't make this list, it's made by people who are in the building every day and have some kind of an idea which way the wind is blowing. And they so, know the players see this. Like I said, it's approved. Yeah. They know mm-hmm. the players see this. This to mm-hmm. me, if I'm Cornell Powell and I'm waking up and I'm seeing this, that is you got to wake up. I, yeah. I don't. I don't know what else to say. But Cole yeah. Hardman. It seems like the, the other way with, with his position because he's the lead in the wide receiver too, and he has looked good. I mean, I, I talked about mm-hmm. Willie Gay on the defensive side of the football. McCole Hardman looks like a different player to me at this camp, and he needed to, and he really yeah. has risen to the occasion. And you have Dave Tobe and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Everyone's talking about his maturity and really meaning it. I, I, they're going out of their way to say, yeah, he's just taking it way more seriously. And it's showing. It's showing on the field. Now, I think the player was motivated by wanting to be good. But after this year, you also have the prospect of a potential contract extension. So there's monetary reasons. It's not exactly a contract year. He has another two years on his contract. But in the rookie deals, you can get extended after the third season. And so he can put himself in a position where maybe he plays so well in 2021. We're having that conversation mm-hmm. next off season about Hardman and the potential to maybe extend him. Right. Who knows? Not sure what it means, but one of the things that I saw today that I found interesting, well, over the last couple of days is that um, Dave Tobe identified Hardman as both his punt returner and kickoff returner. Um, and that's not something that has been the normal thing over the last, well, last season, certainly Hardman only returned well, Tope, kickoffs. Tope, Tope said that Pringle's going to, that's what's weird about this depth chart because Tope said Pringle's the kick returner, well, the primary kick returner yeah. now. And then mm-hmm. McColl was in at both slots on this, which is, mm-hmm. which again goes into how, how seriously do you right. take it? We just found out the other day that Pringle's probably going to be returning kicks to start the year. Yeah, and 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 this is the thing that's weird about it is that when I saw this today, I, I gave a little more weight to the idea that that Hardman was going to be on kickoffs too. Not, ne- but that was weird to me. And he said today, uh, in the press conference, that oh yeah, I'm a kick 
I'm a kick returner. I want to be a kick returner. Dave yeah. Tobes knows that. And I, I want to be that guy. You could tell Would, I, I, when I actually asked that question today to Hardman and yeah. I found in his answer that it reminded me of what he was describing was Tyree kill when he was a mm-hmm. returner. I mean, we have maybe forgotten a little bit when Tyree kill was not really in the offense and he was just a returner. I mean, it was one of the most exciting parts of the, the season. Mm-hmm. Don't forget Alex Smith was the quarterback at that point. Right. Like it was the most exciting <laughs> part of the game, right? When Tyree kill was back there. And as he was describing, if you go back and listen to it on, on, from the podium, as he was describing that at the press conference, I'm like, he's describing what Tyree kill was when he was the returner for the chiefs. And so I think he wants to be that. I think he looks at that Tyree kill season when, as the late weeks went on, he was integrated more and more in the offense. I think he wants to be that Tyree kill type of player uh, and saw that happen. And I think just something has finally clicked where he realizes the golden opportunity that he has here. Yeah. He spoke, uh, I thought very impressively today uh, at the press conference, he gave some answers that I thought were the right answers for him to be giving in this circumstance. So I, I found what he had to say today, pretty impressive. I'm just a little mystified. Uh, you know, if they're going to make him second on the death chart, they're going to really make him wide receiver two. Why do you put him out there on special teams as a returner? This is not what they did with Hill. Right. Um, when Hill was the starter uh, as a wide receiver, then other people started doing those well, punt returns. It's it, it is most worth of the no- time. It is worth noting, and and this was interesting to me too. If you go back to the toe pressure, really went in on just how strong Darius Shepard is as a returner, and I'm eager to see him in the preseason game and to see what he can do. The preseason is huge for special teams. Yeah, and if Shepard can show that he is a dangerous returner, I have him in the back of my mind as I'm making these projections. I'm not ready to make him a keeper on 2.0, but let's say Darius Shepard comes out of nowhere and rips off a touchdown or two. Let's just go crazy in the preseason. <laughs> I think there's a chance that you're right. Maybe they like, they say Hardman, you're, you're too big of a part of the offense to, mm-hmm. you know, risk here. Let's just go with the Shepard kid. Mike Hughes is also in that mix. I think you're going to see a bunch of different returners uh, as, as um, you know, the preseason rolls along. Marcus Kemp. Marcus Kemp is another one, right? Yeah. All right, you know, running, they, yeah. The, the running back position, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Darrell Williams, Jarek McKinnon, Darwin Thompson, Elijah McGuire, Derek Gore. We already discussed this. That's to be expected. We know about the McKinnon and Thompson situation. I don't think a running back past Thompson is making this team, Elijah McGuire or Derek Gore. Michael Burton is interesting. Do the Chiefs keep a fullback again? I think so. They just It's just an injury thing. Right. And he's the only one on the team. So there's no competition for Michael Burton. But that could be a place where they have to give up uh, a roster spot in order to do something someplace else. You know, we were talking about, I know, you know, the, you know, the fourth tight end, but maybe they justify that by uh, saying, well, Jody Fortson can be that guy we put in as a fullback. Right. You know, I mean, so I'm not, I'm, yes, Andy Reid has always had a fullback. But that doesn't mean necessarily that Michael Burton is going to make this team. I think it makes it more than likely. But there's a lot of wrinkles to the numbers on the roster this year. So we'll see. Yeah, it. I don't know what to do with the fullback. I 
I just go to the 20 years and just, I just think he's going to keep one, but yeah, you never know. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's, that's the way we should look at it because you know, you always, he's an old guy. He's going to do things the way he's used to doing them. I know all about this. <laughs> and uh, so he's going to uh, want to do the thing that gives him the most internal comfort. And that would be having a fullback. But he's also got a lot of numbers he's got to figure out. And that may be where we could see something happen. All right, let's go to the defensive line. I'm going to go through it all right now. Left defensive end, it goes like this. Chris Jones, Alex Okafor behind him, Josh Kando, Damone Harris, and Austin Edwards. At right defensive end, so the other edge position, Frank Clark, Mike Dana, Taco Charlton, Tim Ward, and Malik Herring. At defensive tackle, Jaron Reed with Turk Wharton behind him and Tyler Clark. At right defensive tackle, Derek Noddy with Colin Saunders behind him. Pretty much to be expected. I think it's interesting that Chris Jones is just being listed as a straight-up mm-hmm. defensive end. He does seem to be playing more on the outside than he is inside. That's not to say that he's not moved on the inside. But I really think in the base, I mean, your starting ends, your ideal defensive line that they're going to be going with in base, Chris Jones on the outside, Jaron Reed and Derek Noddy in the center, and then Frank Clark on the right. I do want to tell you that Mike Dana has been looking great. Mm-hmm. Turk Wharton. And in a, a little bit of a surprise for me, because I cut him, Colin Saunders has appeared to have taken a step. If I'm doing my 53 over, Colin Saunders is probably making it. Taco Charlton has been a little bit less impressive to me than Mike Dana uh, and what would be Turk Wharton on the inside. So I, I don't I don't think they they'd cut Taco Charlton, but I don't know how much he'll be in the mix if Dana continues to look like he does. Yeah, uh, and of course, what I think is most interesting about this that and it goes into the next position group, but they're putting the the uh, depth chart out as a four two five right defense right, uh, which is not the base, which has not been the base. Uh, during the Spagnolo years, but it has been the most used formation. So they're right. kind it's, of telling it, us. It's yeah. a weird thing now because yeah. you're like, well, then it's it's technically the base then, right? What does the word base mean? in the yeah. sense, You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's the most used formation that mm-hmm. they're going with. And you're seeing a lot of folks do this now across the league when they're doing evaluations and articles and whatnot. It's It's more of the four down linemen the two linebackers, and then you have the defensive backs. And I, I actually like this a lot better. It almost was backwards for a couple of years. They were just continuing to put out the four, three, and then they would be trying to force guys in different spots. So I actually like this better, uh, but yeah. So Chris Jones, it's, it's more Jeremy, realistic. Certainly. Derek Noddy, Frank Clark, let's go to linebackers. Willie Gay and Anthony Hitchens are there. We also have, okay. So behind Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, Dorian O'Dan, Dorian O'Daniel and Amari Cobb. Behind Anthony Hitchens, Ben Neiman, Darius Harris, and Emmanuel Smith and Riley Cole. This feels up and down right. I think Dorian O'Daniel, despite really not being a factor on defense, is going to make this team once again as just that ultimate special teamer. I think that it is interesting that Willie Gay is next to Anthony Hitchens for all the folks that were really worried about Ben Neiman being in that spot. I think Ben Neiman's going to be be playing quite a bit, but he's not going to be the starter per se in what would be the four, two, five, as we're describing. They like Ben Neiman and he knows the playbook. I, I really, 
I mean, Steve Spagnuolo has said it a lot where it's an, a neck up type of thing. Ben Neiman to me is among the players that are going to make this roster. Good to see Nick Bolton right in that second spot. I think that that yes. shows you just how confident they are in him because, you know, you look at the rookies, Bolton in this spot, Cornell Powell is buried. I mean, if, if they weren't high on what Bolton has shown so far, I don't know if he'd be this high in this, of course, unofficial depth chart. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think this depth chart looks perfect. Gay and Hitchens, Bolton and Neiman, O'Daniel and Harris, Cobb and Smith. And they're likely going to keep what four or six, I think, is the normal number of linebackers, if I remember right. correctly. And um, without looking that up, but I think six is the number they keep. So that leaves um Cobb and Emmanuel Smith um mm-hmm. out on fit on cut down day. Your starting cornerbacks, Traverius Ward is at left. They have Legarius Need at right. And then Mike Hughes is listed as just a cornerback. In reality, this is swapped. So Legarius Need has been playing as what would be the nickel, whereas Mike Hughes has been getting a lot of the nods on the outside. There's also competition, though, there for Rashad Fenton has been making a case. Rashad Fenton has actually looked good these past few days on the outside playing against the top team. DeAndre Baker is behind Fenton in that and then behind ward and hughes you have chris lamons manny patterson uh, dicaprio boodle zane anderson is among that uh, bo p keys is right behind mike hughes in one of the cornerback positions almost in a, a second column so uh, i like bo pete keys i i think he's starting to come along a little bit more i don't think he's ready to have any real meaningful snaps but as long as he's playing special teams i see no reason that bo pete keys isn't on this roster I think by the end of this, Fenton could make a case to maybe get the nod over Hughes, but right now Hughes is the other cornerback. I think that's the only telling thing at that position. Uh, The thing I find fascinating is the presence of Chris Lamons behind uh, Charvarius Ward. Now, this is a guy the Chiefs had last year uh, on the practice squad for most of the season. He was activated uh, temporarily a couple of times. The the game day elevation, as they called it last year. Right. And as they will call it this year, that that rule stays this year as best we can tell. Um, so I find it interesting that they've got him behind Ward at that left cornerback position um, and, and, and ahead of DeAndre Baker. Uh, Baker is in the third position behind Snead and Fenton on this depth chart. So uh, I find that very interesting. Yeah, that's worth noting. I didn't really even catch the, how high Chris Lamons was. Interesting cornerback position in the depth chart, too, because these just might be the next three up, in a sense, of how who comes in first. We don't really know mm-hmm. how yeah. it would work. All right, safety positions, Daniel Sorensen and Tyron Matthew. I think a little bit notable that Juan Thornhill is behind, but I, I was expecting that. Devin Key is right behind Tyron Matthew. He's been getting some buzz. I think it's telling that Key is ahead of what would be Armani Watts and Will mm-hmm. Parks, who we thought would also be in the mix. And and back of the safety room is Marlon Character and Rodney Clemens. So not a huge surprise. Sorensen and Matthew have been basically getting a ton of the reps when there's been two safeties out there. When a third safety comes in, it's been Juan Thornhill. Devin Key has been getting a lot of the dime safety first team reps, which is really wild considering he's an undrafted free agent. And it's really tough. I remember when Steve Spagnuolo was saying, we're not even sure how much Juan Thornhill, a second round pick was going to play. And he was playing well. And it's like, well, what does he have to do? 
And this is still early in training camp. And Devin Key is already getting those dime safety reps. And so I just think that's a name to know. And certainly someone nobody in Chiefs media had in their 53 because nobody knows knew who this person was. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, I think there's a really good chance he's going to make the roster. Yeah, uh, he certainly has acquired some buzz, hasn't he? And 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 also in this safety depth chart, uh, you see Rodney Clemens in that fourth column. He's a guy that was on the practice squad last year and was elevated two or three times. And I would have considered him to be on pretty much a par with Chris Lamons. So that, to me, says a lot about how surprising Chris Lamons is uh, being in the second column behind Traverius Ward. But no, I think you make a good point. Uh, Devin Key is going to be the guy. I know a lot of fans will be upset that Thornhill isn't up there instead of Sorensen, but the Chiefs love Sorensen. As long as he's healthy, um, they're going to find a way to use him. Thornhill's going to get some snaps. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Sorensen's going to be kind of a situational player. They'll use him in different ways, and Thornhill will be on the field as a third safety um, but the Chiefs love this guy, and uh, they're going to find a way to use him as long as they can. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us on the Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. We're getting to your Twitter questions, and there's a bunch of them. Perennial question asker Jake Wilson, underscore, uh, at Jake underscore for now on Twitter, has a three-part question. We're going to get to two of them right away. Uh, does, is there a position with more legit depth than the defensive tackles so far on this team? So shout out Jake. He just cheats the system and just asks like a handful of questions every, every week. So, uh, you know, good for you. That that's out, out thinking the system. Um, no, I, I think it's an interesting point, you know, looking at the depth chart besides defensive tackle, my 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 position would probably I'd probably say guard, you know, interior offensive line, maybe if you want to expand it to that, you know, and, and we all know that guard is, is super deep right now, especially when you consider Kyle Long, who's injured. Um, you know, if he's factored in that equation, that's really deep. Um, but besides that, besides the defensive tackles, I'd say running back, maybe. I, I think one thing, you know, Darwin's got to get a little love, a little more love. Um, he's the fourth running back right now, pretty, pretty uh Pretty obviously, I would say, because Jarek McKinnon has played well in camp and Darwin just missed so much with the COVID restrictions. But you've seen Darwin first went out to practice ever since he got back. He's running hills after practice. I mean, I love that, man. Darwin just seems like a super good guy. You want to have him on the team. It's just he might get squeezed out. But if he's your fourth running back, I think that's a really deep group right there. So I'd say the only two groups that could rival the defensive defensive tackles depth are guard and running back. What about you? Yeah, I think that's fair. I am excited about the defensive line rotation and especially considering there was so much concern about the edge or the pass rush um, in the off season. They weren't great last year. And there's a follow-up question here from Ethan Emily and uh, Ethan Trappelberry on Trapberry on Twitter. Will Frank Clark play the whole season? If not, how many games will he play? You know, the, the rotation at defensive line, you know, has taken a hit with some injuries. Clark and Okafor both, I missed some time in, in previous seasons, but really adding Jaron Reed in there and as good as Chris Jones looks and as good as Josh Kamdo is starting to look, uh, even Colin Saunders is making waves in camp and Tershawn Wharton as well. So there's a lot to be excited about on the defensive line. Um, any, any concern about Frank's availability so far? He sure looks 
like he's in good shape and, and working hard. Yeah, Frank looks good to me in camp, you know, and last year, Frank didn't actually miss any games due to his, his illness. He actually missed the second half of the Chargers game due to that kind of stomach virus that he, he seems to, uh, you know, get, uh, you know, every once in a while, every year, it seems like he kind of goes through it. Um, but in 2019, he, he actually did miss a stretch of games because of it. So that's always a possibility. But I think Frank's beefed up a little bit this offseason. So, you know, and, and, and he's never been not a durable person in terms of, you know, physically on the field. It's, it's been that, that illness kind of thing. But, you know, bulking up is definitely going to help you with durability a little bit. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say, you know, uh, suspension aside, obviously, we, I, don't, I don't think we should expect it anymore. But uh, I do think Frank's going to, you know, play a good amount of the season, a lot of the season. But that moves us that moves us to, uh, you know, Anthony Hitchens, uh, his weight loss has been a, a story at training camp. He, he told the reporters that he's worked on losing weight so he can, I guess, be more quick, fast, you know, and that's important as a modern day linebacker. But does that expand his opportunities into packages like the dime or anything? I still think he's not, you know, it's not someone you want to rely on in coverage. And when you have guys like Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, those guys should be put in those positions a little more than Hitchens. Uh, I would say that. So what do you think about that, Matt? Seems like in the past, if there was only one linebacker on the field, they've always wanted it to be Hitchens. And, and just given his knowledge of the defense and the way he lines everybody up, and they've always felt comfortable with Sorensen or whoever else being that, uh, that quote-unquote extra linebacker, right? So I think him getting leaner and, and looking quicker doesn't hurt that at all. I think you're right, though, as Willie Gay and Nick Bolton develop, there's a huge opportunity for them to to be the three down uh, linebackers, to be on the field all the time, uh, maybe even all the way in, the, in that situation where they're the only linebacker on the field. In, until proven otherwise, I think it's probably still Hitchens with uh, with a lot of hope and a lot of upside for the young guys. And Hitchens, you know, at some point, even if you lost a little weight, you're still you're still older and you're still, you know, you're still a little just not as quick and, and athletic as fleet of foot as guys like Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. So if they are on dime defense, you know, where, where Ben Neiman has played a lot of the time in, in his in his career in Kansas City, they need a, they need a guy with a little more athletic upside to me uh, than Hitchens. But at the same time, like you said, his value, his knowledge is, is his value is how knowledgeable he is of the defense, every, you know, pre-snap before the play, lining up the defensive line. And the dime defense, man, you know, that's what's gotten really shredded by, you know, when when opponents get Chiefs into the dime defense, they can really get stuff going on the run. Obviously, you know, you're in a lighter defense. But just in general, I think that's the Chiefs have have surrendered a lot of uh, big plays and, and you know, uh, have gotten kind of shredded in their dime defense. So if Hitchens can be in there and kind of help out with that instead of Neiman kind of running the show while he's in there, that does give you a little that does give you a little more in your dime defense rather than, you know, Neiman being on. Well, Jake's third question really sets up the next 20 questions we got on Twitter. <laughs> on. Uh, Jake asked about the right tackle and who would have, who would we be most confident in versus Miles Garrett? Uh, and will there have to be some help from, from Kelsey and Bell uh, as, as wingmen? Ron, there's a ton of offensive line questions coming up, and, and most of them are on a certain theme here. Uh, so I wanted to, to get your take and your thoughts on not only Jake's question about right tackle, but all the other questions we've got on the offensive line. Go ahead, Ron. Yeah, so we can start at right tackle with, with Jake's question because we mentioned a little earlier, but yeah, it, it, that's going to be a competition, a very tough uh, first week of competition for 
the offensive tackles going against Miles Garrett week one. You know, Miles Garrett, who debatably is the best edge pass rusher in the entire NFL. Um, they have Jadavion Clowney as well, which I don't think Clowney is someone we need to necessarily worry about in terms of as a pass rusher, but he is a strong, big dude that will definitely work in the run game. So I think even that'll be a tough competition for them as well. And so that's why I actually do think like Remmers would make sense to, to get it right tackle for week one, just so Niang isn't thrown into the fire like that. Obviously you're going to have your running backs and your tight ends help chip a lot. That's maybe why, you know, where Blake Bell could really be important if they do want to, you know, I, I know we talked about Noah Gray being a good blocker, but if you want Blake Bell in there just purely as a chipper, you know, not really doing much else, and then maybe have Gray still, you know, uh, save his energy for being a receiver. Maybe that's where that factors in. But on the left side, Orlando Brown has all of a sudden become a huge topic of training camp because these 1v1 videos that come out, you know, shout out to the beat reporters. They all, they, they send them all out. And Brown has gotten annihilated by Chris Jones once, uh, you know, a couple times actually. And we've also seen some, some uglier, you know, not as good reps against other defensive ends as well. So I do think, there's something to Orlando Brown, you know, being in the NFL for three years, he's played in the Ravens offense where you really just don't just truly drop back and, and have a true pass set where you're just dropping back and, and protecting your quarterback in a five or seven step drop. Usually with the Ravens offense, they were setting up the pass with the run. You know, you're helping your offensive line by threatening the run so much. Uh, the defense, the defense never is just never knows for sure if they're just going to run, you know, uh, pin their ears back and pass rush. I do think Brown having to adjust to that is, is definitely more of a talking point than we than we've made it over the offseason. But at the same time, he's he's a veteran now. It's his fourth year. He's been around the block. He's faced guys like Miles Garrett twice a year and TJ Watt twice a year, you know, being in that division. He 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 should be able to handle his own for the most part. I don't think we should freak out or anything. I just do think it's it's okay to have you know, maybe a little tempered expectations for how Brown performs right out of the gate, being in this brand new pass heavy scheme. What do you think about that? Yeah, he really was the kind of the keystone of the off season. You know, there was a lot of worry about this chief's off season until they brought Brown in and then it sort of all fit and all made sense. And so if he's not as good as advertised, then it is a concern. I'm not sure I'm there yet either. Uh, those one-on-ones are clearly, advantageous for the defensive player it puts him in a really bad position but I'm not sure I'm not sure what his his um, assignment was there right so when you're in a game you've got you know a lot of it's, it's crowded at the line of scrimmage there's a lot of bodies flying around there's not a lot of room to move in these one-on-one drills he's got you know 10 yards of space and the defensive lineman can go in any direction he's got no help and no idea where the defensive lineman's going. And so on one hand, you expect the offensive lineman to look bad most of the time in that situation. On the other hand, he seems to have looked more bad than some of the other offensive linemen in those same drills. So uh, mild concern about him until we see it in a game. I'm not going to have any big worries. Now, if he goes out against the 49ers and gets uh, eaten alive, uh, then we'll talk. But you know, getting to the Twitter questions again, Chief Bar- Boy RDG is asking about Orlando Brown's extension. If he's not as dominant as we thought, are we comparing him against Fisher or, or is he going to get an extension no matter what? And then I think it's sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I was just going to say that Jake and, and others followed up with a similar question to say, if he's struggling in pass protection, uh, is he, you just let him walk? And see, that's dangerous, right? You know, it's, well, it's dangerous to say we should give him a contract extension no matter what, because I don't think you should ever, no matter what you gave up for him, you should never just default to giving a player a contract no matter how they perform just because you gave up a first round pick for them. But obviously, I do think there's a little wiggle room the Chiefs have and to where, you know, if he doesn't if he doesn't prove to them that he's the long term answer this year, which, you know, we all hope he does, obviously. But if he does not, they still have the option to franchise tag him. And I know players don't want to do that. And, and Brown probably doesn't want to do that. But you also do get paid. You know, I think it would be 16 million next year for the one year franchise tag tender. I mean, you know, that that, that gives you another year if you're Brown to prove yourself. And honestly, the, you know, the, the scary part, you know, if you do that for the Chiefs is, you know, if he does ha- kind of have a, you know, a less than what you want to see from him year this year, and then you don't sign him to the long-term deal. And then in the franchise tag year, he has a great year. Then you're really, you know, then you're really up against it. You're, you got nowhere to go. You have to sign him and you probably have to sign him to a huge deal. So it's interesting. I do think he needs to really prove himself though. I don't think the Chiefs, you know, if he does have kind of a lackluster year, I think the Chiefs need to make sure they, they really trust and believe in him before they just sign him to a big deal because the Chiefs have a lot of big contracts and they can't really be wasting that cap space if the player doesn't doesn't uh, live up to the bill. It's just, you know, with all the leverage that he has as a player being traded a first-round pick for, it's going to be hard to kind of avoid uh, giving him a, a huge deal. Yeah, which is more important, the leverage or the uh, ability to – wait and see on him and, and be curious to see which way the, the team goes. My gut says that they will probably extend him sooner rather than later, just so they don't get down to that point where they're dealing with franchise tags and all of that. But uh, it will be interesting if his, if he underperforms a little bit this year, then you, it does make that decision a little bit tougher. Again, lots of good questions here about the offensive line. Any reason to be concerned uh, about, not only Brown, but also Niang. There's been some some clips of Niang struggling a little bit. Both guys seem to have maybe the same concern or the same issue in those one-on-one competitions. They don't seem to be the quickest in, in terms of foot speed for an offensive tackle. <clears throat> and maybe they're looking at an unusual standard, right? Because Eric Fisher was pre- known for having pretty, pretty uh, quick movement skills for a player of his size. And Mitchell Schwartz, obviously, is, as well, uh, technically uh, a super sound. Both Brown and Niang are mountains of, of men. They're gigantic uh, tackles, and they're not going to be the quickest, uh, fleetest of foot, as you'd say. So maybe it's just that these particular drills favor a player with better foot speed, and these guys don't necessarily have that. But when the lights come on and they're able to, to start mauling people, you'll see their value. So again, not panicking yet, but it just could be a nature of the, of the position and the nature of the drill as well. And that just kind of tells you that they might just value the ability to manhandle mall people, you know, be that big dude and, and really move guys out of the way. They might value that a little more now than, than they did before. They might've valued the being able to, to, be quick on your feet and be agile and be quick and change of direction in short areas. Maybe they valued that a lot more before. And now they're kind of transitioning their offensive line to where, you know, Hey, we'll, we'll give up a little bit of that. If it means that we'll get that much better at 
at blowing people out of the way in the run game or, or just, you know, or basically in the run game. I mean, you know, quick passes, obviously, you know, you, you don't need much, you know, moving people out of the way and, and quick passes, but yeah, it, it is interesting. You know, I, it's, it's very obvious that Brown and Niang aren't as fleet of foot as the tackles before. Um, but that doesn't mean they can't get there. Uh, you know, they're both, you know, Niang didn't, he hasn't played football in a year and a half. I mean, I, I'm sure that's, that's been tough for him to, to get over and get past. So especially with the injury he suffered. So it is, it is first week of training camp, first couple of weeks of training camp. So hopefully by the, by the, you know, week one, we're feeling a lot better about what we see from training camp clips. Then another question on the offensive line from Ryan Doolin at Ryan P Doolin on Twitter is Trey Smith as much of a steal as he appears to be. He has to be right. I mean, what sixth round pick is coming into training camp from day one and starting at right guard, especially for a Super Bowl contending team. You know, you might see that in Jacksonville or, you know, somewhere where they're just kind of restarting and rebuilding, but it is, it is very significant. We underplay how, how big it is that Trey Smith has just taken the job, taken every first team snap from right guard from week one or, you know, day one of training camp. And hasn't gotten injured, hasn't gotten, you know, uh, hasn't gotten taken out at all to have LDT get some reps. Yeah, I, I think I think he might be the steal of, you know, a few drafts, you know. I mean, the past few drafts, you know, if you can buy them all. I don't know, you know, I don't know if we're seeing a lot of a lot of sixth-round picks turn into starting guards right away. And especially not just, you know, being able to fill in there and be a guy, but actually, you know, make some moves and, and throw some people into the ground. We've seen some clips of him throwing dudes into the ground at practice. Man, I, I love Trey Smith. I, and I think you were the one who tweeted it. When's the last time we were this excited about a guard in Kansas City? I mean, you know, we've had some good guards here, but it's been a while, and, and I don't think a guard has ever stoked this kind of hype as, as Trey Smith has. And maybe just playing a little bit of devil's advocate here, throwing a little bit of ice water on this, uh, on this fire that is Trey Smith. Yes, it is impressive that a six-round rookie is – in a starting position right now. And it's impressive, like you said, on a good team. Uh, the, the Chiefs, after some of those 2-14 and 14 seasons, started out a lot of rookies, but that's because they didn't have anybody else. This year, Trey Smith came into a crowded position group ahead of two veterans, uh, at least two veterans, if not more, if you're counting uh, on down the depth chart, but two veterans that presumably would have gotten the first swing at the position. Now, if you look at those two veterans and what's happened with them, I'm talking about Kyle Long, who got the first offseason OTA snaps at right guard uh, and then got injured and, and hasn't been back since. So we don't know where Kyle Long would have factored into this competition had he been and remained healthy. And then you've got LDT coming back from a year off and now fighting an injury, uh, hasn't been able to work his way back into a starting position yet. So there may be a little bit of this competition that is over early because a little bit of because of default. Now, I don't want to take anything away from how good Trey Smith has looked in camp and the praise he's getting from his coaches means that it's, it's not just what we're seeing. It's what they're seeing that we don't see uh, that has got Trey Smith in a position to start. But for those of you who are, who are college buffs or who are draft film analysts uh, or really dig into that season, what was the scouting report on Trey Smith coming into the draft is outside of the health stuff. Trey Smith is a guy that always put highlight stuff on, on film. 
His highs are super high. His inconsistency is part of what made him a risky pick if he had gone early. Now, he's been reportedly consistent, according to the coaches so far in camp, but I don't know that we should be anointing him as an all-pro yet because we're seeing the highlights. We saw his highlights in college, and they were phenomenal. Um, but there were some other stuff there that balanced out that tape a little bit. So we haven't seen that other stuff highlighted as much so far in camp. So maybe we're a little bit too high on this guy. I think he's probably going to be the starter, and I think he's going to be a good one. But there will be times when he looks like a rookie, and there will be times when he makes mistakes at some point. Uh, so I just don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. And the reason I asked that question on Twitter, by the way, is it seems crazy for us to be this pumped about a right guard. If you ranked all the positions on the roster and what is the most important position, what's the least important position, right guard is going to be bottom 10, uh, if not bottom five uh, on all the starting uh, amongst all the starting positions. And so, yes, he's it's amazing that he's already in the starting position. And yes, his highlights have been fantastic and he's a fun guy to root for. Uh, I'm pulling for him. I think, I hope he is an all pro from year one and beyond. Um, but it's possible that not only do we see those inconsistencies come back at some point, but also that as a right guard, you just aren't going to see or hear his name called very much in, in the regular season, which is good for an offensive lineman, but all the, the hype in camp, all these one-on-one -on -one victories and all these clips of him dominating uh, might just kind of fade away once they're in actual games and we're watching uh, – more people are watching the ball and less watching the line. No, that's a really good point, Stags. That's that's a very good point, and I'm glad you brought it up because there is a difference. You know, you, you see a Quentin Nelson in the league. And that guy's highlight blocking all the time, you know, pancakes and, and, and teabagging dudes after the block. And, you know, there's a reason he was a top overall pick is because he can do all that while also play to play, just being super consistent and everything. You see those highlights from Trey Smith, but obviously he wasn't a top five pick for, for a certain reason. You know, it, it, those consistency things are a lot more important than the highlight stuff. And so you're right. I, I do think there's, there's true to that. The fact that, we are seeing a lot of his best plays and, you know, people aren't going to be posting about, you know, when he got beat, you know, I, I did see Jaron Reed beat him real quick in a, in a run play when I was there, you know, last week. And I think I mentioned that on the pod last week, but you know, he, he's going to have his, his ups and downs. It's just, you know, it, it's the ceiling and, 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 and the coaches kind of believing it sounds like at least that they believe that they can get him to that point where he is more consistent and those highlights are just part of his game. And it's not just, you know, highlight one play and then a, a, a very low light the next. The coaches believe in him. His teammates seem to believe in him. His teammates seem to rave about him too. And 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 honestly, hear, hearing from him is really what kind of helps me out a little bit too. I mean, you can just tell the dude loves to play football, loves the, the act of violence in football, and just wants to do everything he can to be the best football player. And you don't always get that that vibe from every player you hear in the in, in press conferences and everything so that's good to hear and but i do i do, i'm glad you threw a little cold water on it i think it's important um i think we're just all a little excited to, to get a guy this you know with these highlight real plays in the sixth round i mean 
if it was a second round pick, I don't know how much of a story he is this year. You know, I think it's just, you know, Hey, second round pick, he's looking pretty good. But if, since it's a sixth round pick, I think we're all just freaking out about how another highway robbery of Brett Veach's to, to, uh, you know, put on the resume. And we are desperate for offensive line success. And it is exciting to think about the fact that the chiefs may now have a full starting five that they can put together for the next four years or more and, and be really, really solid. So it's all positives. I, I, again, don't mean to be the, uh, the wet blanket in this situation, but I, I just think that it's, it's a fun camp story and it's going to be awesome to see how he performs in the regular season. It just might not be as big of a story by game six <laughs> than it is right now. Um, On to something that is a big story right now. Reportedly, the Steelers uh, have James Washington, uh, a wide receiver, who has requested a trade. Um, So sports betting I-5 on Twitter asks, should the Chiefs reach out about trading? Maybe he could fill in what's lost from Sammy Watkins. What do you think about making trades for James Washington? I think it's a little unnecessary, to be honest with you, because I think I would honestly say – Callaway and James Washington are probably very similar players. You know, I think James Washington just has obviously not gotten in trouble off the field and has stayed on the field for the Steelers. Hasn't got as much opportunity as Callaway did back when he was in Cleveland, but I I, I think it's a little redundant. I don't, I don't think, you know, if you, if you want a guy like James Washington, you have him here in Antonio Callaway and and he may not even make the team. So that kind of just shows you, that they they do have a good group of receivers even if they're not you know nationwide no you know pringle and robinson you know they're not going to be known as as nation guys you know nationally that are big contributors or anything but they have a role in this team they know what to do on this team you know i i I think that's a little more valuable than bringing in a guy that hasn't been with the team and 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 isn't as much you know it's just as that level of talent, you know, he's not like the super talented player, in my opinion. So I think it's a little redundant. I don't think we need him. It might be another case of why would the Steelers want to trade him to the chiefs? Uh, they fancy themselves as a competitor in this, in the AFC. And uh, why would they trade the chiefs another receiver to, to help them contend, you know, and, and to make up what's lost from Sammy Watkins, I did write a piece about how Sammy Watkins, you know, his role in the team was important, but maybe not as big as we make it out to be. And maybe they have pieced together an awful lot of bodies that are, that are performing pretty well so far in camp. I, th- I think the team is probably fairly content, even if whether we are or not uh, is obviously irrelevant, but I, I, I would guess that the team is not pursuing that trade, nor are they pursuing a trade for the, the corner out of Jacksonville Henderson, who, who's also reportedly on the block. I, I do think the CJ Henderson thing is, is worth keeping an eye on just because, you know, he's, he's a, he's a young first round cornerback and, and the cap hit will be, you know, for, he was the ninth overall pick. So he, the cap hits definitely not going to be cheap or anything, but this is what Veach does, man. I mean, Veach, Veach goes after these sorts of things, you know, if he's really disgruntled and, and Jacksonville really can't move him, you know, if he can get a, if he can send off a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick for him, Veach will do it. So I, I do think it's important because he does fit the defense, but I, you know, as, as we all know with Veach, he doesn't really invest highly in the cornerback position. You know, we might have to wait until he's uh, in Mike Hughes's position in that year four or five uh, when he's, you know, when he's just getting cut off the team, basically where Veach will actually, you know, uh, uh, get something for him. But yeah, it'd yeah, be, be crazy to say that Veach wouldn't 
try to get a former first round corner that didn't work out with his first team because he's done it right. this offseason essentially. So, um, yeah, it it's not out of the question, uh, but I tend to think that this roster is is pretty close to being set. I think there'll there'll be some shuffling of the deck. Maybe there'll be a couple of surprises later on, but I'd be surprised if they made a big trade right now. I am very worried at this point about Lucas Nying and what the Chiefs are going to have at right well, tackle. Hold on. Why are you very worried about it? I have seen nothing to suggest that things are going well. Nothing. Not a single tweet, not a single video, not a single report. Nothing that I have seen would indicate to me, oh, this is going to be okay. It feels like the, you know, the meme on, on Twitter that you see with the guy that's in the, the building where everything's on fire and he says, this is fine. That's how I feel about Lucas Niang Try. right now. <laughs> like, I, I don't feel great about it. Mike Rimmers got hurt. You had uh, earlier oh this year. Hey, man, that's how we got the job. Kyle Long got hurt. I think both of them, if fully healthy, would be starting right now at right tackle over Lucas Niang. And that's a bit concerning to me. I don't know. I, I Obviously, preseason is going to, to account. We want to see that, see how he goes there. Uh, Andy, I, here, here's my thing, and I know this is concerning, but I do think he is the more talented, just naturally talented of those group of those three. Uh, when you talk about Long and and Rimmers, I think he's bigger and and more talented, uh, which I like and like to to move on. It's just Andy, how can you protect him? Which he generally does a good job if he's going to be the starter, and do we see? a big jump of growth coming up with these three games leading into the season, if he's the starter. So I, I, and I can get that understanding concern too. I, I do think he's very talented though. And that, that is a part that makes me feel a little bit better in, about it. And I think him and Pat, Pat and Andy can, can hide him. But I think it's very, very fair though, that you have those kind of concerns with him. And, and you know how young guys are. Maybe, but maybe next week he'll take some sort of a jump, and you'll be like, "Okay, there's 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 movement on his improvement level and what he's done." But I I do want to see see him in preseason games and 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 see how Andy uh, and those guys kind of protect him and how they they treat him. So, but it's very fair, as I said, that 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 you have those those concerns for him. He's at number one for me in terms of the guys that I'm most excited to see in this is preseason. He? Is he? Number, number one. one. Number one. Because I think he's a starter. Like, as of today, he's starting he at right Hell tackle is. on the yeah, unit. At, on the unit that you thought going into the season was going to be the single most improved unit on the on the team. And he appears to be, like, by a significant margin, at least in my mind, the weak link. And if you told me, like, hey, would you rather have five guys that are just solid, like all C's on the offensive line, or four guys that are A's and one guy that's an F on the offensive line? I'll take the five C's because at least then I know I'm getting passable blocking across the unit. Yeah. If Lucas Niang is an F, and I don't know that he is, but if he is, that is a massive, He's massive not an problem. F. He's not in. We don't know. We haven't seen him play football in two years. Like he's, literally two years. I'd be surprised. You think he's an F Serta? Is that what you're about to do? Nah, I was just gonna say he's really the weak knee. 
I I really hate you. I I do. I I don't I don't know what you're. It's those stupid glasses. Is what it is. It it is. God, man, are you kidding? Is that what you <laughs> planned on? If you listen, yes, listen. I was hoping to stop the podcast dead in its tracks. That was a hundred percent my no, goal. This, to this be is completely the deal, and I and I'm gonna say this. Serta, if you weren't interested in what we were talking about, you could have just come out and said, "We're not. I'm not interested in what you're talking no, about." No, we can get back Instead to what just, we were talking no, about. No, 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 it's was... over. You've literally killed it. You have literally killed it. If you get, if you weren't interested, you should have just said, "Hey guys, man, I'm not into this." Or just sit over there and shut up. Oh, I didn't know pulling the. I didn't know pulling the e break meant it was over. We can keep going. Get back to what you guys are talking about. That's all. That's can all. We, right, that's all. Right, real God. quick, can we take this time to pour some hand sanitizer out? Uh, for for LDT, God, man, we lost him. And is he going to make hand. the roster? I don't know. I mean, he's going to start. Is he going to start the season on the PUP list? Did I don't they, know. What, how many? What he? How long did they say he's out for? It's like four to six, something like that. Four I to think. six weeks. Yeah, man. I don't think he's making the out for him, man. Maybe he can pick up some hours at St. Luke's Health System somewhere <laughs> out there. Ku Med. I'm sorry. I think they're the sponsor of the Chiefs. Maybe he could pick up some. Some, 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 all right, so let, let's get into that. So if he's number one on your list, uh, yeah. uh, oh, oh, Luke, who who else, who else? Give me who else is your in your top five that you're that 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 you're looking forward to in this preseason game against the Niners. So number two for me, and this is something that I think has kind of gone a little under the radar at Chiefs camp, and it's kind of surprised me that that's been the case. Juan Thornhill, he's been almost exclusively running with the twos. Devon Key, a undrafted rookie. What is the deal agent, with that? Has been getting almost as much run with the ones as Juan Thornhill this year at camp. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Everything the injury that I read, shouldn't be a, a thing anymore, right? And, and from everything that I've heard, man, from people that are there, he looks healthy. Like there, there's no indication that he is still hurt. So I, I don't get it. He's better than Daniel Sorensen. He just, he's just a better football player and he fits better with Tyron Matthew. Like if you just swapped roles, Juan Thornhill for Daniel Sorensen, it makes more sense. So I don't get it. I want to see him in a game situation. Um, he was somebody that Spags mentioned in his press conference earlier this week. He wants to see if, quote, Juan Thornhill is back. So maybe he's just taking it conservatively. And two weeks from now, this won't even be a story. He'll be the starter. But he is number two on my list of guys that I'm most interested in seeing. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that is an interesting thing because I know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's about time for him to take a nice little step. And uh, that is that is that is odd. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, that, that's one to keep an eye on. Number three for me, sticking in the secondary, is whoever the cornerback number three is. I want to see Mike Hughes, DeAndre Baker, and Rashad Fenton. I want to see which one of those three guys can step up as your third corner. Um, they're going to see roughly 70% of the snaps, whoever that guy is. So that's that's a starter. Um, I want to see who steps up in that capacity. I know I shouldn't say this out loud. I just don't have any desire to watch any of those three play football. God, I just wish there was somebody else. I just, I just, I, I don't know. I know somebody's, I mean, Rashad, but I just have no, like this Mike Hughes character. I just have no desire I like Rashad to watch, Fenton. to watch them. Is Quentin Dunbar available? Like some, like make he a is. move. Yeah, he just became just, available. Oh, he's free. Just, he was bad like, last year though. Like you know where I'm fired. I'm fired up to watch. R.I.P. to your Xavier Howard dream, by the way. Uh, listen, I listen. I sent that to the shades that time that day. You guys talked me smooth out of it. 
I like I'm excited to see those guys on on special teams. I'm just not I'm not like I want to see Rashad Fenton like on kickoff. That's what I'm excited for. I just I'm just really like I just don't want to watch. I just it just it just sounds they just feel like a losing proposition. I I don't want to I hear you. Unfortunately, that that's what you got to work with no, right you, now. You're so, right. Yeah. Um, in the here and now, I'm I'm looking forward to one of those three. You know who I was? I was very surprised to hear this. Steve Spagnolo was asked who he's ex- excited to see in this preseason game. He mentioned one person by name. One. He was going through it. He he said specifically, you know, I'm going to go through the role at X real quick, and then he went back to the same player again. Did not mention anybody else in that specific question. He said Colin Saunders was the guy that he wants to see in this game. I am very curious to see. I love, if, I love me some Colin Saunders. Now, he hasn't been a damn thing on the field. but just He was a healthy scratch most of last season. Oh, I know. Yeah. But something about that kid. I, you remember, I loved him coming out of the draft. Like, I was going to try to will him to be a contributor. He's got such a great number. Uh, but I don't I, – I'd like – He's also one of the most he's he's also one of the best players on that team to talk to. Like just a a great personality. Um, I root for the guy and I hope that it works for him because athletically, I mean, I know he's undersized, but he's an unbelievable athlete. And if he does take that step this year, if you've got a D tackle rotation of Naughty, Reed, Wharton, and Saunders with Chris Jones just lining up all over the place, to Serta's point earlier. Man, that could be a really good and really deep defensive line because you're always going to deal with injuries in that unit. That could help you help save you at times this year if you are going to go through some of those spells. Yeah, I mean, he's got to take a he's got to take a step. Like you can't be getting a healthy healthy scratch like he was so much last year. And like, I don't know. I I mean, he's like I know this never happens at Missouri, but he's he's like at Kansas. Like he's like he's been over recruited. Like he's just. Like this Warden kid. I don't appreciate is, that. Well, it's just the truth. I mean, this Warden kid, he he's jumped him. Like, there's just guys that have just jumped him. And like, what we say, Warden, I mean, who was it? Uh, uh, Tano Passigno, Frank Clark, and Chris Jones were the only defensive linemen who played more snaps than he did. Like, you were thinking when they drafted him in the third round, I believe, Colin Saunders, that yep. that was going to be, he was going to be a guy like that. That you thought, like when you said the athlete, one of the things that jumped out is like, man, this this kid. I know he's at a lower level in college, but he's got he's got natural pass rushing skills, and you just and that just hasn't that hasn't shown itself at this level. So yeah, I, I hope I love the kid. I hope that he can that he can contribute. I I ain't gonna hold my breath. Well, I'm last re- one for. Uh, I was gonna say I'm really glad you brought him up because yeah, I'm rooting for him too. Like Spags did say that. About him, when asked about him specifically, he said earlier this week that, like, they loved what they were seeing from him in drills and stuff, but it wasn't translating to, like, the full team stuff. And he was like, so if we see more from him, like, we got to get it to translate when we're going 11 on 11 and we're going in, like, full team stuff. And we got to see it translate there because we're just not seeing it translate there yet. And so I think that's something that he's really been struggling with. But I hope it works out for him. I think, yeah, I think he's one of the best interviews on the team. I, I want the guy to have a good year, and I want him to have a successful career in the NFL. Yeah, I'm rooting for him, so I, I hope it works out. I think we're all on the same page there. The last one on my top five list, number one, Lucas Niang. 
uh, number two on Thornhill, number three, the three corners battling for that third cornerback slot, number four, Colin Stonders. Number five for me is Noah Gray, the tight end that we've talked so much about. Um, I know he's going to be a number two tight end. He's going to play like 30% of the snaps for this team this year if he wins that job over Blake Bell. Noah Gray, from start to finish of Chiefs camp, has been getting rave reviews. I want to see it in a game. I want to see what this looks like when he's playing with the Chiefs backups, the number twos. Is he as dynamic as all of the reports have indicated? I I just want to see what it looks like. So he's number five for me. Um, in terms of guys that I am most excited to see in their first action in the preseason this three. year. Yeah, this is, three uh, dynasty leagues. Got no gray in three dynasty leagues. This is a subpar list, uh, to be honest with you. Um, well, there's Who would you two, have that I did not have? Well, there's two guys that should be <laughs> on the list and maybe should be at the top of the list, which, I mean, we might as well just... Can I guess who they are? Rip the list in, in, up and... Yes, go ahead and guess. I'm going to guess one of them is McCole Hardman. No, no, we already know what we got there, man. That's that's a thousand yards. Book it. Byron no, I, Pringle. Okay, let me let me back. Marcus Camp Marcus Camp had a great press conference the other day. I don't know if you guys me, listened me, to it. It, was, it got me was, juiced. It got me juiced for Marcus Camp. Let me say this, sir. That Marcus Camp was uh under consideration. Real quick, let me back off that uh McCole Harmon. That flew off the tongue really easily. That Cornell Pal. I did not mean that. No, the two for me is uh, two rookies. I want to see Nick Bolton, which is uh, your Missouri Missouri yeah. brother, and ought to be ashamed. I want to see him if he's really flying side to sideline to sideline like we've seen at times. I'm interested in that. And your starting guard, Trey Smith. I just, I just want to see this, and I believe it is. Last week, you you weren't here. He was the, the game that sweep of the nation, and we will play in a bit. Imposter or certified. He's the I hope first, you both said certified. He's the first person we've never seen play in the NFL <laughs> that we made certified already. And and I just I just want to make sure I ain't a fool. And I want to make sure what I'm seeing in practice then also translates on the field. And I hope that the Niners play a lot of their guys early because they've got a really good defensive line. That's it sounds a, that's like they're one. not playing um they're two starting defensive ends. So you won't see them, but interior, maybe you'll see their guys. But yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we, you know, we see, we see those, one of those guys, but I like, I want to see that. Like even the young kid from South Carolina, they drafted last year. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a pretty good player. I, but I, I just want to see, yep. He's, he's doing what he's done in practice that has made him the blow far away and, and really led to this injury that LDT says he has. But it far and away made him the starter there at guard. I just want to see that translate. It's interesting. I I feel like I'm kind of on the same path. I'm guessing you're here too, Serta. Um, I'm just assuming he's going to be good. That's a weird (laughs) thing to do for a sixth-round rookie, but he's not your typical sixth-round rookie. Like this is a guy that was legitimately one of the top recruits in the country coming out of high school. He was a stud, an absolute stud at Tennessee. Had some up and downs, uh, ups and downs over the last couple of years. Certainly has dealt with his fair share of injuries. And then he had the heart thing as well. I'm just assuming he's going to be good for the Chiefs. And so that's why I didn't have him on my list. And now that you said his name, 
I feel like what I'm doing here is wholly unfair. <laughs> like I am, I am putting him to the same standards almost as Joe Tooney, where I'm just assuming he's going to be good as well. Yeah, that's spicy. Yeah, and Joe Tooney's like a a legit Pro Bowl caliber uh, offensive guard, and I'm not saying Trey Smith's going to be that, but I had the same kind of confidence with uh, Smith just being good immediately, and Creed Humphrey honestly had the same same thing that I do with Joe Tooney. So I, he, he probably should have been on that list. Yeah. Trey Smith, certainly somebody worth watching as is Creed Humphrey. And I think, All right. I think the reason that he fell so far in the draft is kind of bogus, but we see that happen with players all the time, but you weren't here last week, BK, when me and Ron talked about it, I talked about how Trey Smith was like the first year that they drafted Tyreek Hill. Like I was at that training camp. Almost every practice, in every practice, Tyreek Hill did something crazy. And you were like, that guy's going to be incredible. Like, that guy's going to. Therese gonna... said at that training camp, he thinks he can be Antonio Brown. Yeah. Like, that guy, that guy is going to be a playmaker for this team. Like, they got an unbelievable value. And Trey Smith is the first player since Tyreek Hill that, like, everybody's like, he's incredible. Like he, he's 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 everything they thought he could be. It's unbelievable they got him in the sixth round. It's unbelievable that he was even available. Like he is a day one starter, ready to go in the NFL. And so I'm just like, all right, he's good. Like he's 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 their yeah. newest Tyreek Hill, who they got in an unbelievable value. All right, yeah, I think hell. Let's just give him the second contract right now. <laughs> the hell with that. Let's let's do that.